0: Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, trust you will find your place there. And tonight I'll be reading verse number 16. One verse tonight, verse 16 for the preaching of God's word. The Bible says, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, He shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the blessing of knowing that you love us. And you sent your son to this earth to die on Calvary's cross so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. I pray tonight that as your word goes forth, that you would use it to strengthen each and every heart and challenge, provide conviction where needed and in everything that's said and done, that your will would be accomplished in our hearts and our lives for your honor and for your glory. Give me the words you love me to say. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus saith the Lord. Thank you again. Take full control. In Jesus' name I pray amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. With the advent of technology and the ability to perform so many functions without being physically seen, I believe that you would agree with me that fraudulent activity is on the rise. To avoid being exploited, companies and businesses are having to dedicate a significant amount of time and significant portions of their budget to what is called internet security or, in general, security. Procedures and systems must be put in place to ensure that emails, transactions, documents, signatures, and even money, that they are all authentic. But let me also say that companies are not the only entities that are having to do this, but even us as individuals are having to do this. Some time ago, not too far in the distant past, I received notifications, multiple, that my email account was being accessed from places halfway around the world. Received a notification that my email was being accessed from Russia, Malaysia, Hong Kong. And so I put in place additional security to stop this unwanted access. And I utilize something in the technology world that's called two-factor authentication. And it simply means that you cannot just access an account by putting in a password, but you require an additional device to confirm that login. So I put this two-factor authentication on my account, and everything was going well. As a matter of fact, it is reported that when you put that kind of security on your account, there's a 99% chance that no one would be able to access your account. So I felt everything was going well. And then lo and behold, uh, about a month later... I received another similar email notification that my account was being accessed again by some unwanted access in a remote part of the world. I was totally shocked. I was blown away. But what I noticed when I examined the email much more closely and paid attention to the Sending email, I noticed that the sender had changed one letter in the email pretending to be the email vendor when they were not. They were prompting me to click into that email and probably fill out information that would have then put me at risk once again. If I had not detected that that email was coming from the wrong source, I could potentially have been hacked once again. Proof of genuineness is very important. None of us like to be fooled, to be tricked, to be hoodwinked. So there are times when you have to determine whether something or someone is authentic in order to avoid loss. Let me also say that it's important to know, for us as people, whether our Christianity is authentic. This is critical for our own benefit, not only in the temporal realm, but also for eternity. The apostle John in 1 John writes this epistle with a predominant theme that we have been seeing throughout as we have looked at this book, a theme of Christian authenticity. John understood that when a person is born again by the Spirit of God, make no mistake about it, a transformation takes place. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 speaks to this when it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This new creation, my friend, produces fruit. This new creation produces evidence of what has taken place on the inside and it ought to manifest itself on the outside. And as such, I've entitled this series, The Christian Signature. Why, a signature indicates something distinctive, something that that, that provides confirmation that we are who we say we are. In chapter 5, as John closes out this epistle, we have observed a number of proofs, if you will, of salvation. Proofs. And I trust that as we have examined these proofs, that you are more and more assured and convinced of your position in Christ. In verses 1 to 6, we have seen the proof of conversion through the Savior. Verse number 7 to 10, we saw the proof of confirmation from the Spirit. And in verses 11 to 13, we saw the proof of confidence from the scriptures but tonight i want us to look at the final proof which we won't get through all of it tonight but i want you to notice very importantly beginning in verse number 16 observe with me the proof of concern about sin concern about about sin you see my friend when you think about the fact that a born-again believer in being saved we have been saved from what sin we have been saved from 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 this blight that that has that has put man in such a predicament that man finds himself without being saved from sin doomed to a christless eternity And so if we are going to be saved from sin, my friend, it ought to be a concern when sin dominates our life. When sin impacts us, prevents us from accomplishing God's will and purpose. And so in these verses that we'll see tonight and the verses following, I want you to see the theme in these verses of concern regarding sin. Tonight I want us to look at just one aspect of that as we begin looking at this proof, and the aspect that we want to observe here tonight is that of accountability. Accountability. Now notice what the verse says in verse number sixteen. It says, If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and shall be given he shall be he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Now, let me say this, first of all, as it relates to this issue of accountability, that in the accountability reveals to us that we do not live unto ourselves. That what I do in my life personally affects you. And what you do in your life personally, as it relates to this matter of sin, my friend, it affects me. It affects all of us. Why? Because we are all on the same team. Think of a cricket team. You think of a bowler. That bowler is running in and exerting a great deal of energy and effort on behalf of the team. And while that bowler might be credited with a wicket, that bowler, for the most part, cannot be successful unless the fielders and the members of his team field well, catch well, to support him in attaining a wicket. If they don't catch the ball, if they don't field the ball, he's not going to be able to have success if that team comes into bat. Those two batsmen in the wicket, none of those batsmen can score runs consistently and effectively, well, unless they decide to score all fours and sixes, which is not too likely, but they cannot score a single or a run unless the other batsman crosses the wicket at the same time. They rely on each other. And as such, you would see them in a match, communicate with one another to ensure that throughout the innings that they are on the same page. My friend, when it comes to living the Christian life, we do not live unto ourselves. We rely on depend on each other for success. Let the church say amen. And so when it comes to this matter of sin, The reason why accountability is so important is because sin is our greatest hindrance to spiritual success. And so it ought to concern us all when it comes to this matter of sin. Now notice the accountability that John speaks to in verse number 16. Now notice first of all, when it comes to accountability, that a believer... Or to find themselves in a position or will find themselves in a position where they must observe. You can jot that word down. As it relates to accountability. Observing. Notice what the Bible says. If any man does what? See his brother sin. Now, when it comes to this matter of observing, notice that it is applicable to all. Notice what John says. If some people, is that what he said? No, he said, if any man. You know what John is saying here? When it comes to this matter of sin, it's not only the pastor who ought to be concerned. Every single person ought to be concerned about sin. Amen? If any man. Now notice he continues on, He says, if any man see his brother. Now, in observing, it's applicable to all, but notice that the person or the individual is responding because of a relationship. He says, if any man see his brother, and understand the context here so clearly, is a person who is a family member in Christ thank God that we are united by the blood of Christ. That makes us brothers, that makes us sisters in Christ. And so this this matter of observing is applicable to all, but it's responding, the person is responding because of a relationship. But notice, why are they responding? Because there's been sin against the sovereign. He says, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death. Here's what we must understand about sin. That every sin that is committed, while we might be affected, it is always a sin against God. That makes it important. Because whatever affects, or whatever goes rather, against God affects all of us. It affects the person most of all. But sin always has an impact. So notice here as it relates to accountability, there's this step of observing. But notice the second aspect of this accountability, the aspect of inquiring. Now, it says, if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask. Ouch. he shall ask what? He shall ask about the sin. No, if you were to survey the members in an average church, I'm sure we will get the response. I ain't getting involved in no confusion. I'm minding my own business. Isn't that what we say? And I understand why that is the response because, let me tell you, John writes, he shall ask, but this is where the greatest fallouts take place in the church of the living God. This is where the greatest offenses happen in this thing we call the church. I know you're very quiet and that's because what I'm saying is true. Because we know, if you ask, there are a variety of different responses that you're likely to get. If you ask, oh, you're judging me. If you ask, oh, you think you're, you're perfect. If you ask, how come you didn't ask so-and-so when I saw them do the same thing? Am I right? This is right where we are. We simply, as people, we do not like to be asked about sin. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but let me say this, and it's, one, it's a good thing for us to ponder as it relates to this matter of accountability when it comes to sin. Being asked, and I trust that this is most often the case, should be because of concern. I know it's not comfortable. But I would submit to you that people are left to themselves for two basic reasons. Now you might be able to come up with more. But basic reasons. Well, When somebody is going down the wrong road, somebody is on a path to destruction, they are left to themselves for two reasons. First one, there is no concern. Nobody asks. Nobody cares. So, there is no question. And the person is left understanding that they're on a path to destruction. No no one says anything because there is no concern. Now, I'm not saying that any person fits into this category. I'm just speaking generally that if a person is on a path to destruction and no one asks, no one intervenes, it is because For one reason, potentially, there is not adequate concern to stand in the gap. The second reason could be that there is concern, but the response is anticipated to be such that it is determined for my sanity, I will leave that person alone. It could be at times that the individual might not be the right person to ask. But ultimately, there would be generally a feeling that the person will respond negatively. But notice, John is here giving what I see as a command. He says, if any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, and he'll speak to the, the aspect that there is a sin unto death, but we want to emphasize tonight just on the aspect of sin, he's saying he shall ask or he should ask. Why? Because there ought to be a concern about the impact of sin on our life. Now, we don't like to inquire, do we? It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It it is not a fun task. We prefer for somebody else to do it. Am I right? That's just how it is. But it's a part of accountability. It shows concern for a person who, who will be affected negatively by this problem we call sin. But John speaks to it. He's saying a believer, a child of God ought to have concern about sin, my friend speaks to this issue of accountability. That there is the aspect of observing and inquiring. But notice, very importantly, and don't miss this, it's not inquiring to be nosy, as we would say. It's not inquiring to be critical. It's not inquiring to beat someone into the ground. But it's inquiring... In order to assist. Notice what John says. If any man see his brother sin a sin. Which is not unto death. He shall ask. Look at the conjunction. And he shall give him. What? Life. For them that sin not unto death. Why did John. Describe. This action as giving life in assisting because john understood that to direct someone away from sin is to give that person life to provide godly counsel my friend is to give someone life to help by strengthening a brother or sister, by mentoring in the word of God. And what thus saith the Lord is to give life. But understand this aspect of giving life, mark it down, it is a two-way street. Now, if you've gone to the hospital and you have received an IV you would know that when you go they don't hold you down and bolt you to the bed with chains and force that IV into your body maybe they have done that on extreme circumstances but when you go there the nurse expects you to respond to her request. They might make a request like make a fist. Well, if you want and expect the ivy, you're going to have to make a fist. You make that fist so that they can see a clear vein where they would be able to put that needle. You make that fist. You're also expected to keep your arm still. All of these are responses by the person who will be receiving the IV. Correct? That person must cooperate. The nurse can desire to give that IV, but the person must be willing to receive it. Hold that arm still. By the way, you will want to hold it still so that you're not poked five or seven times but you hold it as still as possible so that whatever agony you might be feeling, which is mostly mental, because it it surely is not that painful, but you want it to be over as quickly as possible, so you cooperate with the nurse or the doctor who is going to give you the IV, which is, for this illustration, symbolic of giving you life. My friend, when it comes to this matter of sin, when it comes to being able to assist, the individual who is being assisted must cooperate with the other person who is willing to be able to assist. Amen? The concern for sin must be mutual. The giver must have genuine compassion and concern for the patient. Have you ever gone to the doctor or gone to the hospital and you just sense that the nurse was not compassionate. Now when they were compassionate, they didn't make the needle seem a little easier. Psychologically, maybe yes. But when it comes to this matter of sin, concern for sin must be mutual. I'm sure you've heard statements. Listen, listen, I don't care what they do. I don't have a thing to tell them. Let everybody do what they want to do. Or sometimes the person who can do well with assistance might have the mindset, they better not come ask or tell me anything. Well, my friend, when you examine these responses, they would shed some light on why we are where we are oftentimes as it relates to this matter called sin. Sin is a problem, and John speaks to it here as it relates to a proof of our salvation that we ought to have a genuine and healthy concern for sin not just in our own life, but in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Addressing matters of sin is probably the least enjoyable task for a pastor or a leader because it's not fun. Anybody who takes pleasure in, oh, thank God, I catch them now. That person doesn't have concern and compassion for what sin does to a life. But when there is concern, there's a genuine realization that sin brings about destruction and to stand in the gap. And even when you've told yourself, that's the last time I'm going to say anything, There's still a compulsion. How can I help? But you know, there's a point at which you can't continue when you're rebuffed. You know, even in in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, he said, Turn over that one to Satan for the destruction of the body that the soul might be saved. In the day of judgment. Even the apostle Paul. In addressing sin. All throughout First Corinthians. Understood. The proverb. Or the truism. You can lead a horse to the water. But you cannot. Make it. Drink. But at the end of the day. Every believer. A child of God. We have been saved from sin sin that put Jesus on the cross sin that caused him to bear the weight of the world and to suffer such a gruesome death that ought to help us to recognize the awful reality of sin and to have a healthy concern for it and I trust that that concern for sin is alive and well in our lives and not just sin in the lives of others but that we are true to ourselves and detect it, recognize it in our own lives and as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount be able to see it even more clearly in our own lives so that we can have the clarity to be able to help and assist in the lives of others.